Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself. Broaden your mind. Open your heart and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron. Welcome, welcome. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday with families and friends and that you are ready for the upcoming holiday season that is upon us and a new year that will soon be arriving. There have been some incredible shows this particular fall season and today is without a doubt going to be an extremely powerful show. This book is highly, highly recommended And I can't wait to get into the meat of the subject. But before I do that, I did want to mention that the brand new issue of 1111 Magazine is out. It is themed into the silence. And as busy as it is during this holiday time, it is the perfect thing to be reading. It is always free on the website at 1111mag.com. So definitely dive into it. Pieces or all of it, whatever can support you. And if you are just too busy to do so, then I have created 1111 Magazine on audio, and you can grow on the go. And if you'd like to try a free sample issue of that, I invite you to text 1111 to 443-641-1110. That's text 1111 to 443-641-1110. I'd love to gift a free issue to you this holiday season. The difference between goodness and genuineness and so many other things that we're going to talk about today to dispel the myth of goodness, to find your genuine self. Most of us have been raised to be good using certain dimly specified but quickly absorbed ideals that were meant to define us as good. Most of us have indeed been taught that being good is the ultimate in being, that to be without being good is to be unworthy, or at least to some degree. This idea of being good is so ingrained that it almost feels essential to our beingness. Because of this, most of us do not really see the gravity of being good or how heavy a weight this burden really is. Instead, most of us see being good as essential to our well-being. But goodness always comes attached to its polar opposite, badness or evil. One cannot think in terms of goodness without also considering that polarity. In some sense, then, goodness is a battle against badness, for to do good is to avoid doing bad. Therefore, attempting to accomplish goodness is generally a struggle to some degree. We must try hard to be good, for if we are not good, we might be bad, and if we are bad, we are unworthy. This is from Andrea Matthews' brand new book, Letting Go of Good, Dispel the Myth of Goodness to Find Your Genuine Self. If that just gives you a taste about what we're going to get into, you're going to see that this is definitely a book that you not only have in your library, but that you might refer to other people or definitely go about looking at in terms of uh having it as a staple in your reading. Welcome, Andrea, to 1111. It is always great to have you here. I know you're a host on Voice America, and you do wonderful things yourself in terms of your shows and your experience as a therapist, professional trainer, motivational speaker, and all of the other books that you have had, including The Law of Attraction, Restoring My Soul, And just the way that you work in the world, I am so thrilled to have you here and so excited to talk about your brand new book. Well, thank you, Simran. I so appreciate being on the show. And I want to say that I am deeply moved very often by the work that you do. And 
by just your radio show, your retreats, your books, your, you know, the messages you put on Facebook. I am often moved so much by what you're doing, and I can always feel your heart in it. So thank you so much for the work you do. Uh, well, Mutual Admiration Society and Sisters in Consciousness, that's what we are. <laughs> there you go. Well, I want to dive right in because I really do want individuals to realize how important getting this book in. There is so much in here, and you have touched on a subject that I don't know that anyone else has gotten into. We are so used to going into healing and self-help when it comes to the approach of the negative words, such as the shame, the guilt, the different things like that. And it's not that you don't talk about some of that in here, but this approach about good and what that really means sometimes in terms of our psyche is very, very powerful. Start off by by assisting in helping us realize what got you to this perspective of realizing that we needed to put this message out into the world and that you you truly understood how to do that. Well, as a psychotherapist, I work with clients all the time who have this issue and um I had been a student of identity for many years but uh, and began to understand that it's possible through the work I do to understand that the, that it's possible for a person to identify with goodness. Um, it's just as possible for a person to identify with badness, of course, because we have these concepts out there in such pro- prolific and profound ways that we don't even realize that it's an undercurrent to just about everything we do so that Everything we do, everything we think is divided up into uh, some one of the two categories. It's either good or it's bad. Even what we eat is either good or bad. So, uh, you know, we and when it comes to our sense of worthiness, we are very commonly measuring our worthiness based on these concepts, which are actually just social constructs. They're not defined in the heavens in some kind of way in any standardized global form. So what's good for one family, one nation, one country, one city, one, you know, uh, culture is uh, bad to another. And so we, we, we can't really define these terms except in the ways that we get raised. And so when we're raised to identify with goodness, which is different from just, you know, thinking, I want to be good today. Um, identification with goodness means that I think that my worthiness depends upon me doing what I perceive to be good. And very commonly, that's deeds such as self-sacrifice, serving others, being there for others constantly, always being kind and considerate. And you would look at that and you would say, well, what's wrong with that? But the problem is that this person is doing that to negation of themselves. They don't realize that in the process of trying so hard to please other people, to be approved of, to make sure that they're doing what uh, they think other people think is good, they're losing the touch more and more and more with themselves. And so by the time I see them in therapy, they are, you know, already, they already have some stress-related diseases, physical disorders. They have, um, they have, are so uh, depressed very commonly. Very commonly, they're filled up with resentment and they want me to make it go away because resentment is a bad feeling and they're not supposed to have any bad feelings. And what I tell them is that that resentment has come to tell them something. It's come to tell them that perhaps they're doing a lot of things that aren't really genuine. They're doing a lot of things they consider to be good, but they're not really genuine, so they're not getting any peace from that. They're not getting any sense of real self from that. And so the whole book is all about 
how a person can transition from that place, from identification with goodness, to a more genuine approach to life, which gives us peace, which, of course, if you have some peace, you're not so stressed out. You're usually not living in resentment, and your physical disorders sometimes go away. And you do go into the book later on in some powerful sections about friending resentment, anger, fear, and sorrow, among other things, and we will get more into some of those sections but before that, I, I want to go back to what you said in regard to the identity and about goodness. And so this is really something that is conditioned. It's something that's taught to us. It's something that we take on as children. And you say that just as we've learned how to be good in that respect, we can also learn to be genuine. Tell me the difference between goodness and genuineness and uh and how we learn to move towards more genuineness. Yeah, so genuineness is the authentic self. Genuineness is your deepest core essence. It is uh, coming from that deeper self. So one example of that would be, we, you know, we commonly think that we need guilt. And this is one of the things I talk about in the book. We think we need guilt to get us to behave right, right? So we, you know, guilt comes up and it says, well, now you need to go and mow your grandmother's lawn on Saturday because if you don't, you're going to feel really bad. Even though you had a whole other schedule planned out for yourself, you need to forget that and go take care of your grandmother's lawn because you're going to feel so bad later if you don't. So we cave and we give in and we go mow the grandmother's lawn and we... And we think, well, I've done a good thing, so I don't feel I don't feel guilty. I don't feel like a bad person now. So that's what that is: is guilt managing my life. And uh, but genuineness, on the other hand, is if I mow my grandmother's lawn, it's because I truly desire to mow my grandmother's lawn, and I don't have to give up myself in order to do that. I don't have to be pushed around by guilt in order to do that. I do it because it's genuine desire to do it. And the, the, the you know, interesting part of that is that grandma knows the difference, you know. Grandma can feel when you're doing it because you have to or when you feel guilty to or you're, you're doing it because she, you know, she, you really want to do it. She feels that difference in the gift that you give. And so it benefits not only you, but her as well. You go into the subject of bargaining a bit in the book. And when we are doing things out of trying to be good, what are we bargaining away in regard to ourselves? And what can that look like later in life? If, if, if we continue to do that, how does that snowball in a person's life? Well, absolutely. And in order to explain that a little bit more, I have to go in a little bit more depth about identity. So identity is um, uh, an introjection of somebody else's projection. And I spend a lot of time talking about that in the book and explaining that. Those are psychological terms, so I I explain that in very simple lay terms. What what, what that means is that uh, parents have unresolved issues very commonly, and they have the power to project those unresolved issues onto their children. Unknowingly, of course, this happens unconsciously because, uh, I mean, we've got stuff floating around in there that we're not conscious of, and it, we can just put that on the children. So if, for example, I'm somebody as a parent who cannot admit ever to doing anything wrong or bad, then, uh, you know, I might project all badness onto my child and criticize my child for the slightest infraction. And, and uh, that might might the child identify with badness, you know, must be a bad person because that's what my mother or my father is constantly telling me I am. Or it could mean that I strive hard, the child strives harder and harder to be good so that they won't be called bad. 
And uh, so what's happening there is the child has received that projection and interjected it, internalized it, and made it a part of who she thinks she is. So when a child grows up that way, they tend to bargain with uh, that identity. In other words, a bargain says, if I, then you'll, or if you, then I'll. So, you know, we bargain all the time. We go to the grocery store and we give somebody some money and they give us some groceries, and that's a bargain. And those kind of bargains are good and healthy, but the bargain that we make that's psychological that's not so good is a stage of grief where we're trying to accept a very difficult, even sometimes impossible to accept uh, reality where we're asked to be somebody who we're not. So what we're bargaining away is ourselves. So if I, if I please you, then you'll like me. If I please you, then you'll tell me that I'm good or you'll prove to me that I'm good or I'll see that I'm good in your face and I'll prove to myself that I'm a good person and therefore today I can feel like a worthy person. So if I do these good things for you, then I won't have to feel guilty later. Those are all bargains that say I have to sacrifice my sense of true genuineness in order to stay afloat in this identity that, that, that tells me that I must constantly prove myself worthy. Because if not, I'm going to feel unworthy. And we know that unworthiness is one of the criteria for a major depression. So it's a really, really, really difficult thing to go around feeling unworthy. Um, In fact, one of the things that we know that sometimes is a precipitant to suicide is a real deep shame, a real deep unworthiness. So we we want to really work with that. And an identity with goodness is... A person who's identifying with goodness is doing that as a compensation for a deep-seated feeling of unworthiness. So they've got to prove themselves good every day so that they won't feel unworthy. And I have people that come into my office all the time and they'll say, well, you know, I'm Jewish, so I feel guilty all the time. Well, you know, I'm Catholic, so I feel guilty all the time. And they're joking when they say it, but what they're really confessing to is that they feel guilty for everything. I had one client tell me that she felt that she was guilty for Hiroshima and Nagasaki and she hadn't even been born yet. So that's the depth of the kind of guilt that we can feel. And uh, so the bargaining is, um, you know, very commonly, I can pick up your feelings, I can empathize with your feelings, and therefore I can know what you're feeling, uh, and therefore I'll try to fix that for you, and you'll show me how good I am for doing that. And in the process, I'm building some resentment because I can't fix it for you. I may not even really want to fix it for you. I may not even really like you. <laughs> but, but you know, I'm trying really hard to be good. So I, all that other stuff gets shoved under the rug, and I don't even notice it because I'm so busy, you know, serving you. And, of course, what that also means is that very commonly people with a good guy identity will get involved with people who are abusive people, who are users, who will, um, you know, use them up and spit them out. And uh, then, the, of course, the good guy identity is left feeling a lot of resentment and hurt. Um, very commonly, they're in relationships with abusive people, and they're trying to bargain with the idea that if I just keep showing you how loving and kind I am, then you'll stop abusing me. And, we, you know, we often ask in this terrible question, why do women stay with abusive mm-hmm. husbands? Mm-hmm. And very, very often... The answer is because she's got a good guy identity. 
Powerful. Goodness operates first through striving to be good. Rather than going within to find authenticity, goodness draws externally from familial and social constructs. But when we are genuine, we go first within to receive what is authentic there, so that when it comes to doing, we simply do what is in us to do. Genuineness is the capacity to move beyond the list of obligations, to allow the heart, the mind, and the soul to speak, to be heard, and to be acted on. When we are genuine, we are not challenging ourselves to run the obstacle course of goodness in order to prove ourselves worthy. Rather, we know that we are worthy simply because we exist. This book, this beautiful book by Andrea Matthews will help you move past concoctions, strategies, collusions, and the identifications with mental constructs. Then you can step into the naturalness, the organicity of genuineness. The name of the book is Letting Go of Good, Dispel the Myth of Goodness to Find Your Genuine Self, and it is by Andrea Matthews. Also look up on her website her other books in addition to her own radio show uh, that she has on Voice America, and her other books are titled Inhabiting Heaven Now, The Law of Attraction, Restoring, and the latest, Letting Go of Good. You can find those and more at andreamatthews.com. We'll be right back after these messages. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, 1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly online publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. Engage with experts and topics of consciousness. Become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, expanding the heart, and experiencing greater aliveness. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Do you want more out of life? Tired of settling in relationships, your career, health, or finances? Want to experience greater aliveness? I am Simran. I support people in listening to their conversations with the universe, the guiding signs, symbols, and synchronicity. I mentor people to anchor in trust, love, and confidence to live their heart's desires. Let me guide you in embracing the challenges and the obstacles so you embody and integrate the gifts they bring. No more human doing. You are here for being, bounteously and abundantly. Experience your soul's natural rhythm, your powerful essence. Don't shrink back any longer. Release the struggle. Learn how to let go. Create in different dimensions. Transform separateness, grief, anxiety, anger, and chaos into living your destiny. Connect with me at IamSimran.com. Live more freely, spontaneously, and joyfully. Don't conform. Live a life of courage. Let's start now. Through my online courses, mentoring programs, or one-on-one coaching, it's time to change your world. Connect at IamSimmerin.com. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. 
You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at imsimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. My guest today is Andrea Matthews, and she has written a fabulous new book called Letting Go of Good. Andrea is a psychotherapist, a writer, and a speaker whose unique brand of doing all three brings one central focus, authenticity. Her consultations and executive coaching efforts assist upper managers in authentic leadership, and her effective communication presentations teach participants how to communicate from their authentic self. Her inspirational and motivational topics all direct participants to their own authenticity so they may find inner wings and learn to fly. Her books teach readers how to live authentically from both a psychological and a spiritual base, and she also has a psychotherapy practice where she assists clients in finding and living their authentic self. I invite you to go to her website at andreamatthews.com. Also find out about an upcoming event on December 15th in Birmingham on spiritual abuse. And you can find out more about that at her website, andreamatthews.com. We are talking about letting go of good, dispel the myth of goodness to find your genuine self. And it is available now. You can order it through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or anywhere that books are sold. We must be very clear on this point. We are not trying to talk people out of doing genuinely kind, truthful, loving, honest, passionate, and compassionate things. But an identification with goodness is not genuine. It is a mask and a costume made up entirely of sacrifice of our true self in order to please the agenda of the primary people in our lives, whom we so desperately need. It isn't that people who are identified with goodness don't have compassionate, kind, and thoughtful feelings and behaviors. The problem comes when they run their lives from guilt, shame, and an urgent sense of responsibility for others instead of from the genuine core of their being. This is from Andrea's book, Letting Go of Good. There's so many powerful passages in here, and you write that identification is the opposite of self-consciousness. And when we're talking about identity, and we look back at the last section, you mentioned that projection comes from the parent or from the other, and then introjection is what we do to take that in and turn it around. And that builds this identity. So it really is the identification of it that appears to be the issue. Is that correct? That's correct. And, uh, you know, it, it, it happens so young. You know, in the, even when we're pre-verbal, uh, when a lot of the communication that's happening between the parent and the child is nonverbal communication, that child is picking up information about who they are. Most infants are looking for mirrors. You know, it's kind of like, who am I? You know, who am I now? And if, it, if you believe in reincarnation, it's who am I this time? It's, it's really about, um, you know, I'm trying to f- find myself. So you see a two-month-old, you know, staring at their fist and they're realizing that that's a part of them. Well, a few months later, they'll reach out and take a rattle and stick it in their mouths, and that now the rattle has become a part of them, and it takes them a while to figure out that the rattle is not me, but my fist is me. And so that's a process that they're going through it while parents are projecting unresolved issues of their own onto the kids. And parents are not doing this deliberately. They're not saying, well, let me just give you all the stuff I haven't ever figured out. But, you know, when that stuff is floating around in the air unresolved and communicated nonverbally to the child, the child who's looking for mirrors decides, oh, that's who I am. And that's how identification happens. And, 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 you know, children can identify with all kinds of things. 
goodness is but just one of them. But uh, when they identify with goodness, there's also this deep-seated sense that I'm bad if I'm not good. And there's, so there's always this sense of I've got to be good, I've got to be good, I've got to be good. And so you see people struggling with what other people want them to do. They have a hard time figuring out their own original thoughts, their own original feelings, their own original desires. They don't know that stuff. And very commonly, these are the people that end up in the, in the enabler role uh, with an addict or an alcoholic. They enable them to continue to use while they're just trying to be good people, trying to be good people, trying to be good people. And in the process, they're enabling their, the loved one to continue to use alcohol and drugs. You know, I think this book resonated me, with me so much because those were some of the roles that I had in my own life as, as the enabler and as the person that was trying to be good and trying to be spiritual and trying to be this and trying to be that. And we all have that within us. And, and like you say, it stems from such an early age that we don't realize that we're doing it. As I wrote my last book, Your Journey to Love, which was so much about self-love and all of the guilt and the shame came up and how to work with that came up. What didn't come up and came up afterward were the resentments. And that's a big part of your book is, is how resentments play a part and how that resentment builds. But that's a place that often people don't go. And I, I was kind of shocked, you know, when I discovered it, when it finally reached the surface. But it's because it's such a hidden thing. And it's oftentimes we don't even talk about resentment. We stay so bogged down in when the discussions of guilt and shame and forgiveness that that very subtle uh, aspect that is resentment that kind of weaves itself in the fabric of our being goes unnoticed for a very, very long time. Talk about resentment and how to allow it to surface and how to work with it once it does. Yeah, so you, you said a whole lot there, Simran, about how it is that, that it doesn't surface. It, it, it doesn't surface because we repress it, because we think that it's a bad feeling and that we shouldn't have bad feelings. And so much of what we're doing, uh, you know, you and I and our work and the people that are out there doing this same kind of work uh, who want to open up the, uh, uh, the potential for awakening to a de- deeper spiritual life, very commonly, you know, we're, we equate spirituality with goodness. But again, goodness is, a, is a, a social construct, and it's made up of the idea that, um, that it, you know, we can't really trust ourselves to be, uh, quote-unquote, good people in, unless we have some, some outside influence to make us be good. You know, our parents have to teach us to be good. There's morality. There's laws. There's all kinds of things that are supposed to keep us good, and guilt is one of those things that's supposed to keep us good. And so we're, we're trying to all, all those external things to be good. What we don't realize is that compassion and passion are enough to get us to do right. You know, it, it, we don't need guilt. We don't need a lot of morals, um, although I, until we realize it, we're probably going to need some morals. But when we wake up to the fact that our authenticity is enough by itself, then we don't need that. But resentment comes up as very commonly it comes up as one of the first um, sort of threads of awakening, I think, that happens with people as they, well, at least that's what I see when they come into therapy, that they, that resentment is something they're trying to get rid of. Well, I like to look at the the uh, ideology of words, and one of the things I looked up about the word resentment was that it is in French, resentir. I may not be saying that like they say it in France, but but it's resentir. Uh, and that what what it 
uh, means is that um, it, it means to feel again. So what's happening with resentment is it's bringing up an old feeling so that we can feel it again. And the beauty of that is that we get to understand ourselves at a deeper level now. We now begin to go, okay, what is that feeling? So what I recommend to people is that they sit with any feeling that comes up like that, that especially ones that keep coming up and keep coming up when we try to push them away. Um, and we've been taught, unfortunately, by our religion and even by the newer uh, spiritual movements, we're being taught very often not to feel these kinds of feelings because they're thought of as negative feelings. And yet they have so much healing in them. And if we're pushing them away, we're missing the healing. And that's what I focus on so much in this book, that that if we can sit with these feelings, they have information for us. In fact, they're part of an internal messaging system that is meant to guide us and to make us grow deeper into ourselves. And so, uh, it, so it's really important for us to... Uh, to really look at that feeling of resentment. What is it saying to us? What is it saying? And so I even will encourage people to sometimes to do a two-chair, which is a gestalt uh, approach, where they write down everything that resentment is telling them and put it in one chair, and then they write down everything that they feel differently from that, maybe from what I would call the authentic self, and put it in another chair, and go and sit in the chair of the authentic self to speak from that to the resentment, and then go sit in the chair that's uh, got the resentment card in it and and speak from the resentment, and get a dialogue going between the two. I do that sometimes when it's really difficult for people to hear what the resentment is telling them, but it, but what we're doing is trying to hear that resentment has a message for me, and and very and then I've given some examples, some some um, uh, sort of composite. Um, case information it's not really literal cases by any means but it's composite uh, uh, work I've done for many years over many different with many different people with fake names and all of that that um, from the in the book that that explain how it is that this thing works so resentment comes very commonly to tell us that we're doing a whole lot of things that aren't really genuine we're doing them because we're afraid we feel guilty. We're doing them to please others. We're doing them because we think we have to. We think we're we've got to. We we pretend that we're loyal to people and 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 try to make sure that we're always making them know how loyal we are to them. And we're we're busy with obligation. I spend a lot of time in the book talking about the lies that our society tells us that about the goodness that keep us stuck in this identity. And um, so we're we're busy living into those lies. And, and not living into the authentic self. And that's what resentment comes to tell us. I resent you because I have to take care of you. And, and really, I don't have to take care of you. In fact, the truth is, I can't take care of you. I have no capacity whatsoever to take care of you. But our society has lied to us and told us that, of course, we're supposed to take care of others. Aren't we our brother's keeper? No, we're not. We're not our brother's keeper or our sister's keeper. We can't keep them. That's their job. It's not our job. Mm, I know when I did the, my own resentment work, when I realized that that was there, and I kind of looked up what resentment really was, I remember reading, it's the poison you take hoping it will hurt someone else. Yeah. And just knowing that, it was it was like, oh, <laughs> it was really, really powerful. And I, I want individuals to know we all go through this. It doesn't matter who we are, how... 
spiritually evolved we are, we all have our own issues in our lives that we are working through and healing through and growing through. And it comes in many, many layers. And so there should not be any kind of added shame or guilt to even realizing we have such feelings and things, because that seems like that would work against us as well. Correct? Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why we continue to repress it. And, and I, I, you know, I really think it's, I want to say this again. I, I, I hinted at it just a minute ago, but I want to say it again, that, that spirituality is not morality. Spirituality is not morality. Morality is a, is a, a, a social construct that we've invented because we feel like we can't trust the human authenticity to be enough. And, and now, I want to say, until we can become more authentic, we're probably still going to need morality in order to keep some, some of these uh, really wild feelings that we have contained. But uh, on the other hand, if we're truly going to be spiritual people, it's not about goodness or badness. It's about authenticity. Yes. And that, that piece means that I've got to sit with the feelings that come up because they have information to give me. Everything that happens in the deeper self, is, which I also refer to as the soul, is part of a process to make us awaken to who we are, in my opinion, as divine beings. We, we, you know, that's just Andrew Matthews talking. Nobody has to agree with that. But, but ultimately, we find that deeper self, and we are able to, to recognize that it's not about goodness or badness. It's about just being, just being. I mean, it's like a, I refer to the oak tree a lot in the book. The oak tree is just an oak tree. It can't be a pine tree. It doesn't grow up trying to measure itself and say, am I, am I good enough yet? It's not doing that. It just is. And that is what we're trying to get to with our authenticity. We're trying to get to our isness, our beingness. Mm. I want to let you know that this book will allow you to rediscover your true self with Letting Go of Good, an empowering guide to dismantling the false connection between being good and being worthy while exposing the dangers of the guilt-led life. Practicing psychotherapist Andrea Matthews shares innovative tools and techniques for healing, including how to understand and dialogue with emotions, develop intuition and discernment, and make decisions from a place of honest desire and compassion. If you are a parent, this is a vital guide in allowing you to grow into your more more genuine and authentic self while also rearing children in a way that they can be their authentic selves now and throughout their lives. Andrea Matthews is a motivational speaker, professional trainer, and author of multiple books. You can find out more about her at andreamatthews.com. And while you're ordering Letting Go of Good, you may also want to pick up her other books, Inhabiting Heaven Now, The Law of Attraction, and Restoring My Soul. We'll be right back with Andrea Matthews after these messages. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, 1111mag.com. 
1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly online publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. Engage with experts and topics of consciousness. Become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, expanding the heart, and experiencing greater aliveness. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Are you an artist, healer, teacher, author, speaker, or coach? A wellness or holistic practitioner or energy worker? Maybe you want to be. Do you desire to serve the world, share your gifts, live your dreams? I am Simran, host of 1111 Talk Radio, and I invite you to the vision of oneness. Could you use a community of support, more financial flow with less effort? Would you like to receive so you have more to give? Be a world changer, world server, do-gooder. Be a new paradigm thinker and a conscious change agent. A part of a growing community creating collective streams of prosperity and wellness. By simply serving yourself, you serve others. Feel great, have more energy, sleep better, gently detox, lose unhealthy weight, and build strength. It's time for more freedom and financial flow. The vision of oneness embodies unconditional giving, commitment, simplicity, and receiving. We are a collective new way of being in commerce and creative cash flow. Learn more at thevisionofoneness.com. Register now and a member will help you begin today. Visionofoneness.com. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. Once again, if you are not familiar with 1111 Magazine's new audio program, I'd love to have you partake in it. It is a grow-on-the-go program. It allows you to experience 1111 Magazine's articles on audio, as well as having an additional meditation that applies to the theme each month, an intention statement to help you focus and vision your intentions, in addition to life coaching questions and some action steps around that particular theme. It is a way that you can grow on the go and take the audios in as you need them, whether you're brushing your teeth, driving in the car, getting dressed, or sitting down for just a few minutes, you can pick and choose what you most need at the time you need it. And that's Grow on the Go. If you'd like to try a free month, text 1111 to 443-641-1110. That is 443-641-1110. And you will text 1111. I am certain you will enjoy it. And if nothing else, at least give yourself the free issue. Letting Go of Good, Dispel the Myth of Goodness to Find Your Genuine Self is by Andrea Matthews. She has her own radio show 
uh, where she does some incredible interviews. So definitely take a listen to her on that. She's got a spiritual abuse seminar coming up December 15th in Birmingham. You can find out more about that on her website at andreamatthews.com. And you can find out more about this book, Letting Go of Good, and purchase it right from the website through to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or even Llewellyn. You can rediscover your true self and have an empowering guide to dismantling the false connection between being good and being worthy. It is truly a place that allows you to understand the difference between goodness and attaching to the identity of good. Uh, Andre, welcome back. I want to go into a couple of things. Um, First of all, there is this idea on the planet that we are here to help others. And I want to make sure we get that in because this is the last segment. And that is a really huge piece. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're taught to be in service. We're taught to help our neighbor. We're taught to help everybody. And that has its detriment as well. And and you, you speak it very, very beautifully in this book. Uh, the good guy believes the lie that the purpose of the human life is to serve and help others. This is a lie because humans, like all other organisms, need no purpose to define the worth of their lives. Very, very powerful. Talk a little bit more about that so that individuals understand how to draw the lines and create the balance in their lives when it comes to this concept of service and helping others. Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, I've spent a lot of time in the sacred texts of the of the mult of multiple different religions, um, and and found that uh, that there there absolutely is no real connection between worthiness and goodness. Um, in fact, the, m- many of the master teachers will teach that uh, you know our our we're we're here because we're here. We're not here. We here we are here because we are blessed to be here. We're here because. Um, being here is what the divine wanted for us. It's not because we have to do anything for other people to earn some points or to score something with the divine. So, you know, so that's, you know, I want to put that little spiritual piece out there as well. And we could spend hours talking about that. But but in the book, what I talk about is is just the basic organicity of who we are as human beings. We have not been taught to trust that who we are is enough. It's not good enough. We have to make it better. Uh, in, in the West, that comes largely from that concept of original sin, that, that idea that we're born into original sin and therefore we are bad people from the get-go. And what we have to do is strive to be good people in order to, uh, to be okay. And, um, and that, whether we have that um, religion or not, uh, that, that's permeated throughout the secular world as well. So that now we have this idea that we have to strive to be good in order to be worthy. And that that's a false connection, as I say in the book. The wor- Our worthiness just comes from our organicity. And like I said a little while ago, the oak tree is not saying, am I good enough yet? It's just growing into itself. And that's what we're here to do. We're here to grow into ourselves. And, and that means what we do is we become more and more aware over a lifetime of who we are. At, at that basic, genuine, core, essential level of who we uh, who we are as an authentic self, and so when we're when we're playing the game, we don't. It's not a conscious game, but when but it is a game that we play that says I've got to prove that I'm worthy in order to be okay with myself. 
um, what we do is we create a lot of anxiety, we create a lot of depression, we create more separation between ourselves and other people than we create oneness. Whereas when we're living into our authenticity, we create a connection with other people that's genuine. Uh, and But that other thing of being a servant isn't true. And what's also true about that is, is there's a lot of illusion to the idea that I can somehow make you better. I can somehow make you feel better. I can make you into a better person. All I have to do is encourage you, encourage you, encourage you, and then you'll become the person that I see you are. And I can't even tell you how many times I've worked with people over the years who have that primary illusion in their relationships that they're going to try really hard to make this other person into the being that they see. And perhaps empathetically they do see that person's deeper soul, but that person won't become that until that person is ready to become that. And that piece of readiness is the piece that gets left out. We don't trust that that other people ha- person has his own process going on, his own awakening process going on. We don't trust that. We we assume that we have the power to push it, to make it go, to make it, uh, to fix it, um, to make people better. And the idea that we're helpers, well, I'm in the helping industry. You know, that's what I do. I've been doing it for almost 35 years now. And so it, you know, we're, we're uh, we're supposed to help other people. That idea that you said we're we're, we're here to serve other people is uh, also one of the lies of society. Because a we don't need a purpose to exist because our existence is what it is. But b all help is self help. There is nothing that somebody I could go to another therapist today and sit down in her office or his office and and lay out all the things that worry me. And I would still be have the one that would have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And that, that therapist can give me some tools to work with. He, can, he or she can, can offer me some insight. They might even be able to hold up a mirror so I can see myself better. But they're not going to be able to help me. That belongs to me. Yes, yes, definitely. Uh, another uh, part that you go into a little bit in the book has to do with selfishness and narcissism. And we are living in a world right now where we're seeing the behaviors of uh, uh, narcissistic behaviors on many levels in many ways, in many places, in addition to the fact that we are becoming um, selfie addicts with iPhones and all these kinds of things that are are kind of narcissism inducing um, in terms of staying very, very self-focused. But you talk about, um, and I'm going to go ahead and read from your book, what about narcissists? Aren't they selfish? In a word, no, but they sure can put on a good act. The truth is that true narcissists have a personality disorder. That doesn't mean that we should feel sorry for them, but it does mean that they have wrapped their identity up so much in distortion and unreality that they live in that distortion and unreality as if it were the only truth. The best thing that a good guy can do is to avoid them. But good guys generally have a hard time doing that because they're not very good at discernment. Talk a little bit about the discernment piece, because so often it is uh, it is the discernment that is necessary to create the appropriate boundaries, and more so to allow ourselves to step into that more authentic place, so that we're not distracted by by the others that are on the outside. Yeah, discernment is one of those things that we dismiss in the name of being good. So I, I don't want to. Uh, you know, uh, see what might be 
what I might judge as bad about you because then I'm being judgmental. So I don't want to be judgmental, so I'm not going to use my powers of discernment. And discernment is not judgment. Judgment is a ruling. Judgment says, this is who you are. You're bad or you're good. Um, but, but discernment says, this is what's going on here, right here and right now. So discernment is a combination of my observation of what's going on in the external world combined with my observation of what's going on in the internal world, inside of me. So, uh, so if uh, I have, uh, I might observe something that's going on in the external world, I also want to know how I feel about that and what my intuition is also saying about that. And intuition is different from discernment, but it, but it, is, but it can be useful to discernment. And so I want to know what inside of me is going on as a result mm. of that. And when I when I when I um, when I get that information, then I want to use it to tell to tell the truth to myself, to act on it in truth, not in a lie, not in trying to be good, but in truth. So I give an example in the book of a girl. I think her name's. I think I named her Sally in the book. I can't remember, but. She goes out on a date with this guy, and, uh, you know, she's always wanted to go out with him. She thinks he's really good-looking, and she's really excited about going out with him. He asks her out on a date. He asks her to dinner. And then he uh, proceeds to start to flirt with the waitress at the at dinner, and she starts feeling uncomfortable. She's watching him do that. At first, she thinks that he's just joking around, and it's just funny because he looks at her every time he flirts with the waitress to kind of see how she's reacting. And so then she finally says, uh, realizes that it's she's getting kind of nauseated. Now her body is reacting as well. And so she, now she's beginning to go, something's really wrong here. And so he continues to flirt with the waitress, and she continues to feel like something's wrong. So finally she says something to him about it. Why are you flirting with the waitress or something to that effect? And he alludes to the fact that he would like to have a three-way. He would like to have sex with her and the waitress tonight. Would that be okay with her? And, uh, of course, the waitress hasn't even agreed to this, but and that's which is a, his form of personal narcissism. But um, but the, the, the girl is, is, you know, just like, no, this is not what I want to do at all. And, of course, she's not judging him. She's not saying you're a bad person. She just knows this is not what she wants to do. So she decides to hail a taxi and go home. So what that means, what I use that example, and I know it's a, it's a sort of blatant example, but it's one that happens quite a bit in our society today. And it, uh, it, what it says is that she has a right to own what's happening in her body and to own what's happening in her mind and to own her own values about that. Had she not, had she dismissed that discernment, she might have gotten herself in a lot of trouble because she would have had to maybe be traumatized even by something that she didn't really want to do because she was trying to please this guy because she wanted to be nice. Um, so, you know, that that whole thing of discernment is a big, big deal, and we need it on a daily basis to help us understand what's going on in the external world and make our decisions about that. What, what a lot of the spirituality that's out there today tells us to just gloss that over. Just see the God in everyone. And don't, don't pay any attention to, the, you know, your discernment. Don't pay any attention to what uh, the other stuff that's going on. Just, you know, just know that that person's living in an illusion about who they are. And just don't pay any attention to that. But if we don't pay any attention to that, then we're not living authentically. We're not living into our truth. We're living into the lie that we should always be good and always be kind and always be, you know, Kindness is the same as truth. 
truth and kindness are synonyms. Mm-hmm. It is ki- kind to another person to be truthful to that person. I don't mean going around saying, I hate that dress you're wearing. I just mean that that we, we when in that example... Had she pretended to this guy that it was okay for her to for her to do that, he would have gone on believing that his narcissistic approach to women was an okay approach, which is not kind to him. So we, you know, when we tell the truth, when we act in our own truth, we're offering that other person the possibility of authenticity as well. They may not take it, but we're offering it. We only have a couple of minutes left, Andrea, and there are so many points in here where you go into uh, as to how we we utilize that identity of good. And, and it comes everywhere from, you know, I should always smile to I should be the bigger person to those kinds of things. What are some of the other lies very quickly that people will find within the book that might be surprising to them but will really help them step more into genuous, genuineness and authenticity? Um, I should always forgive um, you know, I should. You know, that idea of forgiveness is one that runs rampant when we're trying to be good. We think that we should always be forgiving, um, but we, I, first of all, we don't understand the process of forgiveness because forgiveness is a much deeper process, relevant. I mean, uh, comparable to to the process of grief, in that it goes really deep. We have to really work with uh, really hard feelings like anger and sorrow. And then we can come to a place where we forgive. And I think that forgiveness is means that we have taken the gift. We have we got the gift. When we finally get to that place in our lives where we can look back and say, you know, I'm really grateful that that happened to me because I uh, because now I'm changed. I'm evolved because of it. That is when we know we can have forgiven. But we think forgiveness means, well, I just accept your apology even though I still resent it and still have a lot of anger about you, but that's okay. I'm going to tell you that I forgive you and that's good enough. And that's not forgiveness at first. And second, it's not. there is no should. If you put should in front of the word forgiveness, it ceases to be forgiveness and becomes something else, a game we play. The same with love. I should always be loving. We say, I should love. The minute you put the word should in front of the word love, ceases to be love and becomes something else, some kind of game we're playing uh, that is to help us figure out that we're good people. So it, the should, that word, the word should, obligations, you have to, duty, those are another, you have a duty to do. That's a lie of society. And, there, and it is surprising because we've held duty up as like the, you know, the thing we're supposed to do. Uh, you know, if you do your duty, you're a good person. If you don't do your duty, you're a bad person. And we've, it's really that simple in the way we think about it. We haven't talked about it that way before, and that's why I want to talk about it that way, because it, it is a lie. The, duty runs counter very commonly to our deepest compassion. And what we need to be operating out of is our deepest compassion. That's genuine. Duty isn't. So that's just a few of them. Mm, and there is so much in this book that will allow you to understand how to move from that place of being the good guy into someone that is more genuine. In order to heal the good guy identity, we do not try to get rid of it, fuss at it, judge it, ridicule it, or otherwise force it to say uncle and go away. Remember that our identities are the tools we use to survive in a world that insists that we give up on our authenticity. Once we have used that survival tool again and again, we are resistant to getting rid of it because we fear that if we do so, we will either die or just fade away after never having existed at all. So the good guy identity is not going to go away unless and until it believes there is something else there to uphold life. 
Therefore, rather than trying to make the good guy identity go away, we must facilitate more awareness of the authentic self. We do that by using the tools of differentiation and integration, and Andrea Matthews goes into more of that within her book, Letting Go of Good. Genuineness is the expression of the authentic self, the real you. It is thought, emotion, verbal expression, body language, and behavior that come from the deepest essential core of who we are. It is the congruence of thought, emotion, word, and deed, so that an action is not way over here while an emotion is way over there. All aspects of being are working together in harmony when one is being genuine. It's not a mask and a costume. It is genuineness of the soul, the essential, authentic self, revealed in thought, emotion, and action. This is all from the book, Letting Go of Good, Dispel the Myth of Goodness to Find Your Genuine Self by Andrea Matthews. Go to her website and check out who she is if you don't know her, andreamatthews.com. Until next week, I am Simran, in love, of love, with love, and as love. Be well. Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality, your heart to greater compassion, and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Join host Simron next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to step through the gateway of conscious living here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember, you are not on the journey. You are the journey.